This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to Inside the Monster with Steve Peralt and Joey Capone. Welcome to episode 42 of the official Red Sox podcast, Inside the Monster, presented by Odyssey with myself, Steve Peralt, and Joey Capone. The Red Sox have won their first series since... Joey, a question for you, Joey. Yeah. So when I'm doing the intro, right? Yeah. You you always know I got a line coming up afterwards. That's why I drop a tiny quick hello. Your hello always jumps into the line. It's like... I. I, I say, how you doing at the end? That's when you're like, boom, right? Like, that should be when you're like, hey, it's Joey. Yeah, but it's become a thing now that I do it. So I feel like I but have to do it now. It cuts off my line. Like, every time. It's always like, well, hello. It's just like, well, you could it. argue you're, you're cutting off my hello every time. All right, here we go. You know what I mean? This is We're, we're keeping this all in, but we're doing the intro again. Dude, run it back. Welcome. Hello. To episode- <laughs> Welcome. Hello. Hello. Hey. The show always starts with no. You got no. Sorry. You no. You can, you can go. It's no. I was gonna say. Do the intro. Do the intro. I'll save my hello until I'm told I can speak. No, I'd say, say it where it feels right. All right. Welcome to episode forty-two. Of the official Red Sox podcast, Inside the Monster, presented by Odyssey with myself, Steve Peralt, and Joey Capone. <laughs> Hello. The Red... Oh. <laughs> all right. All right. The Red Sox won a series. The Red Sox won a big series, Steve. The Red Sox won their first series since June and have now won both this series that they played against the Astros this season. How you doing, Woo. Joey? I'm doing good, dude. Hard to believe that, isn't it? First one since it June. Is. It doesn't it didn't feel like it for whatever reason. I think it was just like there's a hard You're reset. joking, right? You're joking, right? I, no, I'm serious. I think over the last like 3 days just kind of felt like a reset. It was like, "Oh, that's right. Like there's a performance on the field to focus on too, not just Player transactions. That's all I'd been thinking about for the prior 48 hours, you know? I thought you meant like, oh, it doesn't feel like they hadn't won a series since June. Because, oh, it did. Oh, my goodness, it did. That is kind of what I meant. Yeah. Well, because because I'm 
I'm telling you, the prior 48 hours, I was only thinking about player transaction. I wasn't thinking about how the Sox have been losing. I was just thinking about who's staying, who's going. Really wasn't until I saw them win that I was like, oh, yeah, wow. It has, it's been a while, hasn't it? It has been a long time. I honestly, multiple times, said they had no chance of winning game one, and then they won game one. So we should just keep saying, like, hey, they're just going to lose all these games, and maybe that means they'll turn it around. But it was interesting series, Joey. An interesting series overall. Uh, to your point, the trade deadline being right in the middle of this series, being right before game two, kind of takes a lot of your attention off of it. Even in the series preview, we were talking about, yeah, you're playing the Astros. They're really good, but like no one's going to really care about these games because of how much is on the line at the deadline. JD stays, <clears throat> excuse me, Evaldi stays, and Christian Vasquez goes. And I got to say, it was awkward as hell seeing him behind the dish in this series finale on Wednesday. I think I'm sure these guys got to say their goodbyes and talked a lot during batting practice and all that, but there was something about how each player going up there and having their little ha ha little tap little, you know, Oh, we played together. Jokey dudes thing that mm. felt like the final goodbyes. And it was really kind of sad to watch. I'm not going to lie. Like it was yeah. that really kind of, set in as like, oh, man, he's on the Astros, isn't he? He's really on the Astros. Sucked. I'm not the first person to say this, but when a player goes to a new team, especially when they've been on another team for a long time, the first couple times you see them in the jersey, it looks like uh, like a costume. It, it looks like it a replica look jersey. It doesn't look real. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, like you bought that at the pro shop. It just looks like they, I don't know. Like they gave him an Astros jersey to wear. I don't know. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't doesn't look natural Joey, at all. On that point, we're just going to have a segment right now that I'm just making up on the spot here because I think it's a mm -hmm. good point. Which player in your lifetime that got traded and immediately had that other jersey on felt the most wrong? Oof. Because Chris, I got to say, and this isn't recent. Vasquez advice, might be up there, dude. <laughs> it might be Vasquez. It might like. Christian Vasquez looks so weird in Astros stuff. It doesn't look right at all. When he came up in the ninth inning, I was just praying that he didn't go deep or something. I don't know. I don't even know what I wanted to happen. I was just like, just don't get hurt, Christian. But we need this win, obviously, more than your new team needs it. And he grounds out against Tanner Houck when the Sox had a one-run lead in the ninth inning of game two. But oh, dude, you know, what's a, weird, you know what might though. be up there? What? Uh, I, just, I just literally Googled it and just started looking through like players on 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 weird teams griffey on the white Sox. yeah that's one of awful. my ones. He, yeah. he barely played there griffey on the i'm gonna try to get every griffey jersey i got mm -hmm. a couple of reds ones good amount of mariners ones i gotta get that white Sox one mm -hmm. but griffey on the white Sox is one of the top ones if we're talking red Sox players no mark cubs uh the jersey it's like right behind me it's that looked weird that definitely was strange because of how long he was with the Sox. Weirdly enough, the Manny Dodgers, Manny looked good in a Dodgers uni. Yeah, it worked. Dodgers unis are clean. Those home whites are crisp. He didn't really look that weird in a Dodger uni. Very much like Trey Mancini in an Astros jersey. I felt like Similar that. colors. Yeah, I think that's what it is that he stayed in orange. orange. Yeah. 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 Uh, simple brain over here. Yeah. He hit a home run off of the hill, and it's like, oh, uh, yeah, that's just kind of what he always does. It, it didn't even feel like he got yeah. traded. He's just like, yeah, it's the same guy that you just. Took for a little bit, but he was in the Derby. He was in the. That's why the Astros traded for him because he was in the Derby. Yeah. That, that was the main reason. 
I, it's probably Nomar. I'm trying to think. Yeah, Griffey is definitely another one. MLB players that just look. Anytime you see the Yoenis Cespedes jersey in the Red Sox uniform, I'm always like, oh, right. He did play here for a little bit. That's yeah. a strange one. But, dude, Christian Vasquez is right up there. He is right up there for that ain't right. It's one. It's like when you you drink something and you're immediately like, oh, like anytime I I drink uh, what I perceive to be a diet coke, and they gave mm-hmm. me a coke, immediate. Mm-hmm. Oh nope, that's not a DC. That's not it. Second, mm-hmm. I saw Christian Vasquez in an Astros uniform. Nope, that ain't it. That's tasted like right. Coke is what you're saying. Yeah, Christian Vasquez in an Astros uniform tastes like Coke. When you <laughs> wanted a DC. When you wanted a DC. So. Uh, I was going to say we'd lead this show off with the top thing from Game 3, but Game 3 of the series sucked and was kind of a complete waste of everybody's time. Rich Hill came back and was not great. I really didn't do much for him. Three innings, six hits, four earned, 1K. At least no walks. There you go. You got that. But It's hard to say that, like, (laughs) I I wonder what you think about this. Mm -hmm. With Rich Hill's body language, he always looks like he's about to pass out. So, like, I don't think... You can never be like, oh, we looked bad out there. <laughs> Cause like, doesn't it kind of always look like he's like, oh God, I gotta pitch again. <laughs> Dude, look, yeah, he does look like he hasn't slept in a week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's <laughs> I was gonna say he didn't look physically great out there, but like he kind of always just looks like, oh, all right, here we go. I gotta just get through this. Just get me through five and I can take another couple days off. But yeah, I don't know. That was that was tough. And then Bayo gets yeah. hurt. Did they say what it was? I, I got a lot of people in my mention saying it was his lower back or the, it was something to do with his back. Oh, my God, dude. If my cat becomes like a mainstay on this show. It because- seems like it might at this point. I'll just throw stuff at him. <laughs> I promise I didn't hit my cat. I threw a lens cap at him. It was yeah, a small really, piece of plastic. Audio one really sounded like you just pulled your cat at him. Yeah, I know. As I as I did it, I was like, "That probably sounds horrible." I just tossed a lens cap at him. He's fine. That's goose. Joey just he's, literally he's threw his fine. camera at the cat's face, and I think it's dead now. So I, I just go. threw my cat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how serious it is. Obviously, I'm not a doctor, even though uh, Steve likes to think I am one. But uh, judging off uh, my baseball watching history, any kind of uh, non-contact on a pitch strain injury. Usually not the best. Joey, you're not a doctor, but you did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. <laughs> I think that's a reference that predates me. Is that a commercial? Oh, my God. Is that? I was going to see if you remember that. Do you remember those commercials? Nope. Damn it. All right. There should be a whole like list of things over the course of us doing this show where mm. I'm like, this shows the five-year gap between Steve and Joey. Like that, it's very I think small. That's, yeah, there's there's going to be very few things, things that fit it. Mm-hmm. I think the Holiday Inn Express commercials. I know a lot of you guys listening know what I'm talking about. There was a, a list of they were so funny. It was like, oh no, I'm not a doctor, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night just to show like you're smart <laughs> if you stay at a Holiday Inn Express. <laughs> it was were the commercials like the person would be like operating on someone on the table. Well, it would be. I think there was one where it's like. They needed like a pilot or so. it's like maybe some emergency situations where they're like, oh, thank goodness. Thank goodness. It's like, I'm not a pilot, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. So like I can probably figure this out because I'm smart. So anyway, anyway. Brian Bayo probably is probably pretty hurt because it was yeah, a non-contact so injury. Anyway, Bayo's probably hurt, which sucks. But uh, yeah, overall from that series, there's not I don't have a ton of takeaways. I think the like we talked about earlier, 
the fact that they were able to get out of Houston with two wins is huge. It is huge. I always hate Massive. when you win the first two and then you lose on recording day. That part kind of sucks a little bit. But, you know, squeezing out a couple of one-run games against one of the best teams in baseball, a place that they normally get demolished. It really didn't, you know, game three, Hill got knocked around. Red Sox bullpen gives up two runs, uh, even though you didn't want these guys to have to go. Uh, it was, they were saying that Ort looked great. I thought Ort was all right. Four hits, two earned, three innings, at least the eight innings, which is good. But yeah. overall, I could, there's no chance. I, I and I, this sounds aggressive or dramatic, but I, I thought there was a 0% chance they were going to win this series and they won the series. So I no real complaints no, I mean, for me. I, I think we tossed around the idea of them maybe not winning a game this series. Yeah. And what the percentages yeah. would have been. Yeah. I think it's, it's safe to say that a sweep wouldn't have been that shocking, but yeah, Red Sox uh, get two games in Houston. And as it stands right now, I just want to get an update here because today it was tough, man. There were a lot mm -hmm. of other wildcard teams that were winning. So mm -hmm. that part sucked. You had, the Mariners crushed Garrett Cole and the Yankees. Cole just like he's such a weird individual. Like what Did a strange guy. Did you see Yankee fans complaining about the catcher? They were like, "Well, his no. ERA with this catcher, I don't remember the guy's name. I think it's a Japanese name." They're like, "Well, yeah. when he when he's pitching to this guy's ERA is like 7. Like it's the catcher's fault." <laughs> Like the catcher's it's, throwing the pitches. It's like, dude, if you have a $324 million pitcher, he should be able to throw to a cardboard box. Yeah. It's, it's like, what are we? Excuses. I love it. It's he gets rocked a weird amount for a guy that still maintains a good ERA throughout the course of a season. Like he'll have a couple of these where it's just five, six, nothing in the first inning. And they're always home runs. Like he's always giving up bombs. So, and you never hear about like, oh, like eight innings shut out three hits like you never really hear about these like miraculous performances either i think he just a lot of the time goes like six run six innings one earned and it's normally against crap teams so like you're not seeing those highlights i think a lot of yeah. times it's just against like really bad teams but uh yeah so garrett cole stinks but mariners win rays win the guardians won last i checked the orioles and the white Sox. yeah orioles won white Sox are gonna win Everybody in front of you won. So that's what sucks about this loss is that everybody ahead of the Red Sox won. And so they are now three games back in the wild card hunt. One thing I want to talk about, we got a couple items here, but first off, and this is kind of going backwards a little bit. I don't know if you mm -hmm. heard this, Joey, but it was sound from Pedro Martinez about the direction of the Red Sox uh, following the trade deadline. We did our trade deadline show. On Tuesday, definitely check that out if you haven't yet. All sorts of reactions about Hosmer, Vasquez, Diekman out the door, uh, you know, fam in. A lot, a lot of talk, a lot of trade deadline talk, and I thought that was a really good show. But this is the one carryover, the one thing I saw since then that I thought was definitely worth talking about, and it was Pedro Martinez on what he thinks the direction of this Red Sox team is. I, I just don't see where the path is leading for, for the Red Sox. To be honest, they have a headache with Devers. have a headache with the most consistent player they have ever had, Sander Bogart. Uh, they just got rid of Vasquez who figured that out in the middle of the field. <laughs> uh, it's hard for me to figure out what the mentality is. Uh, I don't know how much they know about their health, but their health is not really 
being packed by the, play, the position players as much as it has been the pitching staff. I think they need help in the bullpen, and I think they need help in the starting rotation. And so far, I haven't seen any of those being approached, you know, as much as the positioning of the players. And I, I, I have a hard time understanding what the thought process is where Himes is trying to lead the rest of the pack. Uh, I don't have an exact idea, but I can tell you for sure. The biggest areas that they need to improve is the health of the starting rotation and the end of the bullpen. Yep. And if they want to get anywhere, they're going to have to do that and continue to play defense and get some of those guys totally healthy. So that is one Pedro Martinez. I don't know if you guys know him, but used to pitch for the Red Sox, really good uh, pitcher and player. Mm -hmm. Not really knowing what the direction of the team is. I thought it was very interesting that he was that comfortable saying that publicly. Joey, I think that really stuck out to me. You don't normally hear someone like a Pedro or Poppy. Of course, they'll be like, oh, sign Rafi, sign Xander. But it's a next level when it's like, I'm not fully sure what the plan is here and what the path is. And I can't think that he's saying that fully on by himself. Like, mm -hmm. I, I got to think a lot of that is from conversations he's had with other guys. I'm sure some of them being on the team. Uh, Xander reflected this a little bit in a comment. I know Julian McWilliams had the quote wrong. He got a word wrong that you really can't get wrong. It, where it was what Xander was it? saying, well, Xander, let me let me get this. It was. I, um, I thought it was interesting that Pedro, like, straight up dropped Himes' name. I don't know why. Know. Like we all know who you're talking about when you say the Red Sox direction. You're talking about obviously the guy who's like making the decisions, who's signing the checks. Uh, but to, I don't know. That's just weird because like you know they're going to see each other. You know they're. Gonna, I don't know. I always think about that. No, that that part. Stuff. That part of it is is interesting. With the McWilliams thing, it was more that he said Xander's uh, quote was no. I don't think that we gained because we lost. Vasquez and then brought in none but what he said was some not none so like so the that's opposite. a word you don't that's a word you don't want to mess up so he did delete the tweet but um yeah from the Pedro standpoint I think and mentioning how you know he's saying Haim's name Pedro knows how much weight his name carries here and how much his voice matters here and he's around the team all the time he's at Fenway all the time I love as a fan how much he's mattered to the Red Sox after he retired and still does to this day. So to his point, a lot now is so much now is relying on keeping Rafi and Xander here because the deadline didn't necessarily change that much for next year. It's, you know, you traded Vasquez. A lot of people think you shouldn't. I think ourselves included and Pedro included. I think that caused a lot of confusion and candidly, I'm sure a lot of the Red Sox players are trying to figure why that, that move happened. Understandable from Himes perspective. He's, you know, looking at it like two top 20 prospects from Houston come over for a guy that you only have two months of control. I know it, it's Emmanuel Valdez. He had a homer with the Woo Sox on Wednesday. He's hitting 327 with 22 bombs and 78 RBIs in 83 games in the minors this year. So he's playing well, but, um, the Pedro lines were interesting. I, I, I listened to it a couple. What's up? I don't think. Yeah, I don't think that's the point of like how. What's the caliber of these prospects? It's like, okay, that that move indicates you're building for the future. Other moves indicate you're building for now. Which is yeah, it? what are they it's, doing? It's the mix. It's the mix path. I think it's 
it's hard. It's hard for me to say that bringing in Fam, who has a mutual option, so it's basically two months of Fam, and then Hosmer to bridge the gap to Cassis is building for the future. I think. I think that's more. No, that's what I'm saying. They're you. not. Those moves are not. Those moves are patching holes for now. Because in reality, you don't need those holes filled right now, right? Like, you could yeah. survive the rest of the year and play out all these games with Jackie Bradley as your fourth outfielder. You can keep Franchi and Bob at first. Like, what's the worst that's going to happen? It's you know? just going to keep getting worse. I mean, well, it's... sure, but I mean, you can finish the season that way. To to bolster anywhere you're weak is only preparing or only building for right now. Only trying to improve the current roster, which is just a I think weird it, move. It gets to... back. It's it, this wasn't. I, I'm not meaning this to have the same conversation we had. I know. I know. We've already talk. had this talk. Yeah, we've already had this talk. I, I more just think from Pedro's perspective, it's big picture. I think a lot of people, himself included, and players on the team are trying to figure out what the path is. And that's why so much relies on Rafi and Xander. Because if you're not bringing these guys back, specifically Rafael Devers, if you're not signing him long-term, I really question what the goal is here. Because I don't think you can tell fans or you know alumni players like Pedro, legends, former legends like Pedro, that you want to win World Series if you're not signing some of the greatest players in team history, right? Like, while they're still yeah. in their primes, Rafi might just be entering his prime. Um, it just doesn't, that part of it doesn't make much sense. I understand, too, what he's saying about the bullpen, you know? And and Haim mm-hmm. had mentioned he thinks some guys have underperformed, so he thinks that they can, you know, in the last few months reach their potential. And, you know, naturally, you do still have some good pieces in your bullpen, but it's the quantity or lack of quantity of good pieces that's probably going to hurt you for the rest of this season. But either way, now it's you need Evaldi and Pavetta to be very good for the last two months if you want to make the postseason. With him talking about the, you know, needing more starters and needing more depth, mm-hmm. it's not that great a sign that Rich Hill's first game back, he gets rocked by the Astros. I know the Astros have a good lineup, but it was just kind of an uncompetitive uh, game today because of Hill dropping him early. I think they had four runs and Hill only got three outs at that point. So it's... It's eye-opening, I would say, Joey, that Pedro Martinez is willing to say this publicly, and mm-hmm. I'm worried about what that means for what he's hearing from other people privately. Yeah, yeah. I mean, first, to the Rafi thing that you said, I don't even like hearing you say the words if they don't sign Rafi long-term. Like, no, I know. I'm, I, have, I have not considered that really an option whatsoever. So I don't even really like thinking about that. People uh, from the second Heim got here were saying like, oh, Devil Rays North, oh, the Tampa Bay Red Sox, right? But you would, they would have a leg to stand on if Rafi walks. They would absolutely, because then then you basically are saying, hey, there's no player good enough for us to sign a, a massive deal to. All the pressure so, is on that now. All the, all the pressure is now on maintaining the two stars uh, that you have. I think most people wouldn't expect JD is going to be back next year. Of all the, hopefully he is. Hopefully they know. resign him again. Um, and Vasquez, I know, I know the door is still open there, even though he's in Houston now. So we'll see. I, I just think overall with that Pedro, uh, I was going to say quote, he talks for like a minute and a half there, or however long it is. And it's very, it's not blurry. I'll say that much, Joey. It's very to no. the point of like, what are we doing here? <laughs> so, and he's right, dude. He's right about a lot of things, especially the pitching. That was like the first thing we talked about when we got yeah. on the IG live yesterday at the at the deadline. Is like, no, no arms coming in, huh? 
Like, yeah. that would have been the one move for Vasquez that I could have wrapped my head around, you know, that it was like, if okay, you got we a got legit bullpen arm or something. And one a legit bullpen yeah. arm. Yeah. If it was like Vasquez packaged with Jay Groom yeah. for a legitimate bullpen guy, two months of a legitimate bullpen guy, not talking like Edwin Diaz, dude, I'm just talking like a legitimate bullpen arm. I think that would that would be something like, man, that's tough. He's a you know clubhouse guy. I like Christian, but yeah, it makes sense. You got to fill that hole to build for the future by moving him. It, it's confusing. I totally get what what where where Pedro's coming from. I felt the exact same way. You don't really have a rotation right now. It feels like no, every right now series it's, you're it's, like, it's I guess this shape. one might be Winkowski. This one might be Cutter. Bayo is probably going to come three. in after Davis. Even game three, it's like last second, it was like, oh, Hill's going to start and then Bayo's going to come after instead of Bayo starting and then is Hill ready? I, I don't know. It's all this kind of tangled up stuff. But that's why I'm saying, and who knows who Chris Sale? I mean, that that could be, that that's a, a discussion to not have now because the Sox still have to stay in contention for that to even be a discussion. But for Avaldi and Pavetta specifically, if they're not dealing, you're screwed. Right with the current standing of this rotation, Waka should be back soon. Uh, Paxton, I think, through a couple innings, simulated innings, whatever. So he, in theory, could be back uh, in a in a handful of weeks. But if you don't have Evaldi and Pavetta dealing, none of this matters for the rest of this year because you're just mm-hmm. not going to get by with these rookies and you know Rich Hill looking like he did today. And who know? We don't even know what Waka is going to look like. Like he's coming off a dead arm. He was really good for the first couple months and then kind of fell off a little bit and then he was not pitching. So who knows what he's going to look like. But one guy, Joey, and a positive note. On a yeah. positive note, we got to give a hat tip to Cutter Crawford. I think yeah, – round of applause. If we're looking at this big picture-wise for how the last month plus has gone, I'm stunned that like the the – I think you could make a case that the most the positive best. things been Cutter Crawford, mm. <laughs> which yeah. is like absolutely insane. His his stats as a starter this season, he has a three one one ERA as a starter in seven starts. He has a two three eight ERA since the start of July and an opponent batting average of two fifteen since the start of June. Cutter Crawford wow. has been extremely important for the Red Sox since these guys like Avaldi and Waka Hill, all these guys have gone down. To the point now where I think you just keep him in the rotation. Like I, I yeah. who knows what Walker's going to look like? I wouldn't want to mess with what Cutter's been doing. He's consistently giving up max like two runs a start and keeping them in all of those games, and they don't give him any run support, so he has to be doing this. He's hard hit percentage eighty first percentile in baseball, K percentage sixty sixth percentile. In baseball, guys are not hitting them hard, and guys are not hitting them at all. So that has been a, a shining point in a otherwise relatively dark five weeks. Dude, I mean, what a lifesaver. Can can you imagine what what would even be happening if Cutter didn't turn it around? Like if Cutter JD wouldn't be on the team. <laughs> I think Who? it's safe to say that JD would be gone if Cutter Crawford hadn't done what he's done, right? I think JD might owe Cutter a watch or something. Yeah. Yeah, if consider. I mean, JD. Granted, he seemed like he would have been totally content. Did you see the JD audio after he didn't get dealt? No. Was he like, ah, oh, whatever. I don't care. It was. <laughs> was he like, ah, it's a win-win for me either way. I don't really care. No, I mean, it's. <laughs> we did a whole thing on JD, and like, I I know we were gonna have a whole segment on him because we kind of thought he was gonna get traded, but mm-hmm. we've really said everything we need to say. Uh, maybe good and bad about JD Martinez, but 
it was just it's just so funny to see quotes from him. He's just, you know, I think Nesson had it. And Rob's asking him questions. TC's asking him questions. And he's like, yeah, man, I mean, you know, it's I I was maybe going to get traded. I'm just happy like my parents were asking me. Everyone was asking me. People stop asking me about it. And, um, you know, it's a business and I've been traded before. And, you know, it's just he is just so content with whatever happens. Whatever. And it, it's just such a whatever. Like, yeah, I did see the quote like where he ripping, said, like, what's up? No, no, no. You go. It's just even really ripping JD. It's just this is who he is. He he is a guy that cares about hitting, and I do genuinely think cares about winning, but also is just kind of like I, I keep coming back to content. He's so content He's with content. like, hey, maybe we make the playoffs, maybe we don't. Maybe JD Martinez has way more similarities to Manny Ramirez than we've ever really given him credit for. I think I, like no, yeah, <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm saying mentality, Joey. I guess in water like balloon the over your head. Yeah, water balloon over your head. Uh, Do you think JD Martinez is going to be super beat up if the Red Sox don't make the playoffs this year? No, I don't either. No, but I also don't think that's like. I don't know. It's a totally different brand of apathy. It's you know it was like. Yeah, I don't want to make that comparison, actually. It was like Manny didn't care, but he had too much talent to suck. You know? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Manny, I, I think, didn't care. There's different layers of didn't care, because I think he genuinely cared about like winning and having good stats. But I think he won and had good stats, like you're mentioning, because he was so freaking good. <laughs> like He, he was, was good. so talented. I don't think Manny was Manny checking stats. Was Manny like, oh, I'm no, I, I bet Manny was just so good that he just knew his stats were sick. Like, I don't think he had to like, oh, let me see where my average is at. It was always 320. Like, it was never. I mean, what was the worst average Manny Ramirez had for the Red Sox? On like, the what Sox, do you think I it couldn't was? tell you. 279. His worst average on the Red Sox. Let's see. Okay. I'm just going to go down the line here. It's 306, okay. 349, 325, 308, 292, 321, 296, 299. <laughs> 296. His worst average was 292 in 2005 292. when he had 45 homers and 144 RBIs. <laughs> oh, yeah, that year sucked. Yeah, he had a down he year. He sucked in 05. Yeah, it was terrible. Year. Yeah, his second worst average. Well, 07, he was he was hurt. He didn't do a ton for that 07 team compared to other years, but still mm-hmm. 296, 20 homers, 88 RBIs and 133 games. So, um I just the, the comparison I'm drawing to, I'm not saying overall. I'm just saying that mm-hmm. water balloon over both of their heads. Mm-hmm. You know, the offseason treats them well. JD's got a place in Miami. He's got tons of money. He's living the life. He's got a World Series ring. I don't think it's going to kill him if they don't make the playoffs. And it's just it just gives me a chuckle. Again, this is not a jab at JD. It's just who he is. He's mm-hmm. very content with where he's at in his baseball life. And you got to give him credit. You look at what his situation was in Houston. He's really made a a legitimate baseball career for himself. He's the reason he's this good. He put so many hours into this that I think he's in a position now where he can be like, hey, Whatever happens, happens. I think he knows and can sleep comfortably knowing he puts as much work as he possibly can into this, which I think he does. 
do you think JD listens to music? Like, do you think, like, if he has like AirPods, like, what do you think the last thing that played through those AirPods was? Uh, I think it's something pretty chill. He, he probably listens to pretty laid back stuff. I don't think he listens to music, period. I think if you ask him, like, what's the last <laughs> song you he heard? I, music? I don't think he listens to music. I think he would just say, like, ah, oh, whatever, whatever plays in the clubhouse. I could picture him, like, you ever watched The Big Lebowski? No, you haven't. I know you no, have. No, I haven't. That's one of mine that I haven't. Yeah. So there's a scene in that. This is not a spoiler. Where the dude, uh, the dude bowls, where he goes home and he has like a Walkman. And he puts the cassette in. And he puts the headphones on and you see the cassette and it says like 1986 bowling championship. And he's just yeah. listening to. I think he could, he does that. I don't think he has any interest in in anything else except baseball. I think he absolutely loves the game. I think he absolutely want to, wants to win, but I also don't think he's capable of being heartbroken. I just think if if he was shipped out he'd be like, "That's what happens." You know? Just go. And that that's really else. what it was. That that's kind of mm-hmm. what the what the sound was. Well, let's you know what? Joey, I'm going to try to find this audio. I I think we should play this because it was it sums up everything we say about JD Martinez. I mean, I talked to him. I kind of expressed, you know, I understand. Like, I'm not, there's no emotions with me when it comes to that kind of stuff. Like, I've been traded before. I've been my, what, fourth organization I've been in. Like, I understand the business side of it. It's a business at the end of the day. So, you do whatever, do whatever you think is going to be best for the franchise, really. It's not going to affect me wanting to come back here next year or not, you know. So make the franchise better if you, in whatever way you can. If you think we got a chance, then let's go for it, you know. But I want to go for it. You know, I don't have – got so many times left, you know, so many years left. I want to be able to be in playoff contention every year. You lost a couple of key guys, obviously, Christian, Jake. You bring in a couple of veterans, so it's kind of a, you know, add, lose a couple of guys. But at the end of the day, they didn't blow it up. How good does it feel that – most of the core is here in an effort to try to go for it the next two months. Yeah, I mean, feels great. You know, we have a kind of the same team, I would say, in a different way. You know, got weaker in other areas, but stronger in other ones. So, see what happens. Maybe it's just a different look. Like a lot of people talk about talking to Tommy about him. Said, you know, these guys are intense guys, right? These guys. It might be a little bit different dynamic with a clubhouse, right? Which and, and not a different team. Yeah. You know, it's giving your team a different team, really a different look. You never know. Could be, could be what we need. You know, it's just it's exciting to like just not knowing I gotta pack all my stuff and freaking have to move stuff across, you know, anywhere else. But as we sit here talking, is it a good? Like, I know that we've been hounding you for like a, everybody. It's the most annoying thing. Right, my, so it's over. Yeah, I know. I know. Everybody, my parents, everybody. It's just, oh, I'm like, leave me alone. It's a chance. You look at the camera. Just tell everybody. You, can, they can leave you alone now. Yeah, you can leave me alone now. <laughs> I love that the first words out of his mouth is, wait, "Let me get this exactly right." There's no emotions with me. There's no emotions. There's no emotions. No it doesn't it feel like that? I mean, that's that's what it is. I, I know at the yeah. end there, TC's like making him talking to the camera. It's like say that quote right to the camera. But I that's that's who JD Martinez is. And honestly, I I credit him for being authentic. That's who he is. He's not you know losing his mind over this transaction or that one. I think he genuinely thinks you know what wherever I'm going, that's where I'm going. If I'm staying, I'm staying. Whatever. Let's let's play ball and. That's kind of what it is. One, I got one more Sox thing I wanted to talk about. But first, we are going to take a break on episode 42 
of Inside the Monster. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to episode 42 of Inside the Monster. It is the Mo Vaughn episode and the Jackie Robinson episode hell of an episode right there um franchi got sent down franchi got sent to triple a fam's in the building hosmer's in the building franchi's out of the building what a bizarre season for franchi cordero remember the franchero stuff it was fun back then somebody in your reply said like i miss franchero and i understood exactly what they meant like that's a that was a total other dude (laughs) franchero cordero was the man hitting walk-off grand slams Franchero Cordero. Franchi strikes out 89 times out of 100. Exactly. Franchero Cordero, I think, died at the end of May. I think that was the end of Franchero, and then Franchi returned at the start of June. Uh, Up until the end of May, right up until the start of June, Franchi was hitting, sorry, Franchero was hitting 260, had a 763 OPS, a lot of high-quality at-bats, and he K'd in 25% of his ABs. Since June 1st, Hitting 196 with a 603 OPS, striking out in 42% of his at bats. In both scenarios, Joey, two homers and 12 RBIs. The first one was 27 games up until mm. the start of June. Since then, it's been 45 games. Mm. Same power numbers in an extra yeah. 18 games. So, Franchi, I mean, it just, God, the amount of emotions you go through with this guy. One thing, though, that just kept driving me nuts, and I had put this on the Twitter machine. I think it was Carl Ravitch, who I think is a, a legend and should be in like the Hall of Fame. Like I love Ravitch, but he had mentioned, oh, you know, Franchi Cordero, he's got some pop in his bat. Stop, let's enough with the pop in the bat. Let's stop talking about the pop in Franchi's bat. He has five home runs in a career, three hundred and forty-two at bats with the Red Sox. That is one home run every sixty-eight abs. Enough about the pop. I'm so sick. Yeah, but dude, I'm think t- of all the pop. It's like, yeah, I I also, like everyone else, know what he's capable of if he barrels the ball, which he never does. His K percentage, bottom four in baseball. Whip percentage, bottom four in baseball. Hard hit percentage, 73rd percentile, but he never hits the ball. So it doesn't matter. Yes, he's capable Mm -hmm. of hitting the longest home runs on the team, but it just never happens. It doesn't happen. And he's had endless opportunities. So Franchi's... And triple A. Yeah, that's kind of that's what happens, man. It's I like his strategy to, you know, save some of the home runs, save all those feet, and add them to the next home run. That's why all his homers were were 850 feet. Not a bad strategy, uh, but it starts to be bad when you when you're striking out uh as, as much as he was. It's weird, dude, because like there was a time where you and I were talking about like Man, he doesn't look anything like he did last year. Like his plate approach has totally changed. He has like a lot of discipline. He has a better eye. Like he's not chasing. Like he looked great. 
And it's weird because that's not something you just lose. No, play discipline is teachable, and it's something that you can work on and get better at. So it's really not something that just did. falls out of and your it, head. It disappeared in the last two months. Like, what happened? I don't understand how don't it just it. went away. Like, it, it really – he was having at-bats that ended up mm -hmm. maybe as a strikeout or as a walk or as, like, you know, mm -hmm. not a huge result that had mm -hmm. me literally like, all right, Franchi, like – that was awesome. Like, great, great work, man. Yeah. Pretty much like in Little League when the, the nine hitter walks. Like, good job, <laughs> Billy. There we go. Uh, but still, like, it just disappeared. It's just poof. Mm -hmm. Swinging at crap. Making bad contact. The pitches up in his eyes. Like, what are you doing? I don't mm -hmm. know what happened, man. I really don't. It's weird. Like, the beginning of this year, like, Kike and Verdugo, I think, are both good examples of guys that, like, had some trouble getting it going. But it's like, you can tell, like, they're – they're going to find it. Like, it's just like some bad luck and, yep. you know, just, just little things, you know, with Franchi, it looks like his twin was playing and now it's just somebody yeah. else. I mean, the defense dude, his twin cannot play defense. Like that's, that's horrible. Like if you saw that at a double a game, you, you'd be pretty bummed that you spent $11 on your ticket. Franchero wasn't that bad defensively. Franchi terrible. I don't know. It's just bad. I don't know what happened. Dude, that play in game one of this series, I forgot he played in this series. It feels like ages ago, but where he just, the ball just dropped. It was just like hit a little bit in front of him, was in the air for a while, and he just didn't get it. And they said it was a 99% like catch percentage. I mean, if there was ever anybody, it. if there was ever anybody in the other 1%, it, it's him. And it's, it's like, you can't, you can't do that throw two balls into the dugout in the same game, like have when you're playing first base, you just can't, all these things are not allowed at the MLB level from a manager, from a team, from an organization. And he was just doing it over and over and over again while striking out every at bat and putting together terrible, terrible AB after terrible yeah. AB, not getting the pitch count up. You could have a good at bat that ends in a strikeout, but he was, he wasn't so Mm -hmm. Oh man, it was just driving me nuts, man. And he's in AAA, and uh, we're going to talk about Hosmer, you know, the debut coming up here in the series yep. preview. But my goodness, I am not going to miss Franchi. I'm, I've just resorted back to how I felt last year, which is like this is the worst player in Red Sox history. Like I'm, I'm not quite there, but mm -hmm. it was just painful to watch. It really was. So. Yeah, I mean, like I said, dude, it's a great way to get sent down. Strike out all the time, throw the ball into the dugout multiple times, Missed drop balls. Catches. Yeah, that's what I mean. Was, that's, I would do that. That's what I would he do. He was incredible at being it. terrible. So, like, he was extremely good at being bad. And so funny that he just will, will always have April and May. We'll always have that. <laughs> yeah. We'll all like 30 years from now, we'll be able to look back like, oh, yeah, I remember Franchi. Yeah, ugh. But do you remember that walk off grand slam? Do you remember that month where you just found it? And then lost it all. The wonder of Worcester, the new wonder of Worcester is back. I think I said this at the start of the season. It's like, I always like when there's that guy in Worcester that's just mashing that you know is a 4A player. Yeah. He's coming back, Worcester. You got him back, Woo Sox. He's we got all yours. We know over there. So have fun. Have fun with Franch. He's back in the building. Uh, Joey, it is that yep. time. Uh-oh. What time we is it, dude? back at Series MVP time. Uh oh Someone better get an answer. Oh, 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 oh. It is Series 
MVP time, folks. We have not had a series MVP in a long time. It has been since June 26th that we've had a series MVP. It's August 3rd. It's August 3rd. It's been since June 26th when the Red Sox swept the Cleveland Guardians in Cleveland. I'm just going to go right ahead and say Rafael Devers. I think Raffy Scoops, Raffy Big Scoops, is the MVP of the series. I don't give a damn what he did on Wednesday. His performance on Tuesday, his presence, it just changes who this team is. I'm not saying anything you guys don't already know. When Devers is in the lineup, it is a much scarier lineup. Opposing pitchers always have to be aware of when he's coming up, when he's on deck, when he's around the corner. Goes two for four with two RBIs, the only RBIs in the game, and an absolute bomb of a solo blast uh, off of what's-his-face, off of Javier. Javier. Off of Javier. Christian Javier. So my series MVP is Rafael Devers. I wanted to read a, a quick stat here. Mm-hmm. I think I had roasted this account last week, but now I'm going to give you did? a shout out. It's the Boston Sports Inf account. Huh. Well, they were all mm-hmm. like bitchy. But remember a couple weeks ago, they were pissed off about the lineup when like everyone was at hurt. And that's why he's like, hi, I'm like, figure it out. It's like, oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, when someone tries to like join the party of complainers, but it's like, oh, wait, dude, that's not what we were talking about. Like that. That's not what we were oh, I hate about. that, too. I hate that, too. <laughs> what, are you, what are you saying? I was doing the thing that you were pointing out. Oh, there you go. That was good. You're joke. saying like, I actually... hate when people. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. Yeah, you're like, I also hate it. Uh Rafael Devers. Now, I want to make sure I'm reading the stat right, but it is extra base hits through a player's first 636 games, a classic milestone mark, 636, (laughs) at age 25 or younger. Here are the guys that have done that. These are the guys that have more than 300 extra base hits in their first, let's say, like 600 games at 25 or younger. It sounds a lot smoother that way. This century, Joey. Mm Mm-hmm. The list is this. I, I couldn't believe I had to do a double take when I saw the players, the only the four guys that are on this list this century. It's Albert Pujols, Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, and Rafael Devers. Wow. Those are the four guys that are wow. over 300 extra base hits in their first like 600 games. That I mean, that that's, is, that's insane. That's since, that since 2000. Of. That, that is... is your cat is going to be the third host of this show. I'm telling you, Joey. I don't know Ryan. what we got to do. <laughs> get to get rid of my cat. Get rid of my cat. I think I think you got to take get my rid of cat, cat in a way that I I feel. Do you want my cat? Do you want a cat? No, no, I hate cats. Um, but no, you, how crazy no, you, is that list, though, Joey? Yeah, sorry, how yeah, crazy the list, is that? the list? That list is is wild. Uh, Albert Pujols. When did he come into the league? Uh, when did he come into the league? 2001, right? 2001. Yeah. When I say since 2000, mm-hmm. since 2000, it's more like since their debut. Their debut had to be after 2000. Mm-hmm. Guys that are over 300 extra, extra base hits at 25 or younger. Mm-hmm. It's Pujols, Betts, Trout, Devers. I mean, that's that's insane. I just like when stats yeah. back up how you feel about a guy and like what you're watching. It's like, yeah, it kind of feels like that's true. So I'm glad it is true. So Rafael Devers, yeah. series MVP. Who you got, Joey? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, the obvious pick here. Yeah, everybody knows what I'm going to say, so I'm just going to say Reese McGuire. Yeah. Uh, 
batting 667 in this series. I mean, he uh, was incredible. But I am, I am actually going to give it to him. I'm actually going to give him a one-game MVP just because... Are you honestly, giving it to Reese McGuire? I'm actually giving it to Reese. Well, because there's no like standout. I mean, everybody kind of... No, there's like a one-hit here, one-hit there kind of thing. So he came You're in, giving got, it to Reese McGuire? Steve, and the one game they lost... Who's yes? Well, who is more deserving How does that than make him? Any, that doesn't make any sense. It's Rafael Devers because they lose the series without Devers. Sure, but cool. also if I want to go somebody else, it's like there's no there's nobody else. Like Xander Isn't played it an obvious unanimous for four yesterday. He. Hmm? This feels like an yeah. obvious unanimous pick, right? That it's just Devers because that they lose game two without him, and then they lose the series without him. Yeah, what didn't he go over for four today? Can't say the same for Reese, dude. Uh, Reese did not go over for today. Reese did not point. go over today. He I think it would be banana land games, to have you know? Reese McGuire as the series MVP when he had two hits in the game they lost. Two was- for four. Two for four yesterday. In Fran- and Rafi went over for four. Oh my god, I almost mixed up Rafi and Franchi. Can you believe that? So he went terrible. two for eight. Two for eight. Reese would never. Yeah. With two of the biggest swings in the series. The Reese ones didn't mean anything. Did he get on base? Yeah, Rafi got on base too. Nah, well. They both got on base twice. How about OBP, baby? That's the Billy Bean mentality. I'm going to give it to Reese, dude. A little welcome? You're giving it to Reese McGuire. I'm just just telling you, Joey, that the people aren't going to like this one. Oh, yeah, the people are going to freak out. They're going to freak out. Everyone's going to go nuts. Everyone's going to go nuts at, over this. All right. So I got Devers. Joey has Reese McGuire. Uh, that is that is something. I mean, I I, I want to be a Reese numbers? guy. It's He might as well be Reese. And that's close mm-hmm. enough to Rally Cup. So shout out to Reese McGuire. He's hitting 667 with the Red Sox and is making us forget about Vasquez, obviously. Uh, coming up next. It is closing thoughts time here on episode 42 of Inside the Monster. We are back on episode 42 of Inside the Monster, wrapping this one up with some closing thoughts. Joey, what do you got? I don't know if you saw this, Steve, but uh, MassLive.com. I've never heard of this site. Me neither. Uh, Sounds made up. Yeah, I think it might be a spam site. Do not go to it. Do not click on any links that take you to that website. Uh, They had a story. I'll go there for you. Uh, They had a story. uh, New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu wants Red Sox to fire Alex Cora. (laughs) Uh, That's your man's, dude. That's your man's. That's my man's, I guess. He went on uh, Greg Hill, and he said... And I quote, I think it starts at the top. I think Cora's got to go. I do. I personally, I just don't like the way he's using pitchers. There's no motivation on that team. There's a morale problem on that team. If you have a morale problem, you've got to start at the top. You just do. Um, What are you talking about? Is my first response. Uh, My second response, Chris, what are you talking about? My third is you don't need to have an opinion on everything. You know, this goes, this goes Mm. beyond baseball. So if you're at a party and someone says to you, you know, like, Steve, like, wh- what do you think of the 1975's last album? You don't have to have an opinion. You can just say, like, oh, I'm, I'm not really familiar. I don't really follow them too closely. Yeah, so. pass. Yeah. That's okay to say. 
You don't need to have, I feel like everybody, this is like a, a I don't know, I'm getting all like soapboxy here. You just don't <laughs> need to have an thoughts. opinion on everything. You don't, you don't. Like somebody asked me about like the Avengers or whatever recently, and I was like, oh, I don't, yeah, no, I don't watch them. And they're like, how can you hate on the Avengers movies? It's like, that's not what I said. I said, no, I have no opinion. So when you're the governor of the Granite State of New Hampshire and you're just asked, hey, how do you feel about Alex Cora and the and the Boston Red Sox? You can just say like, oh, I love going to Fenway Park. Always a good time. Bring my kids there. That's You can just say that. You don't need to have a hard opinion. If you are watching 162, Chris, and uh, this is your actual takeaway, you lost a vote, pal. You lost a yep, vote. You lost the vote. <laughs> Look out no, wait, for that. That's what I'm stuck on is like, what What was the benefit in the position he's in? What's the benefit of saying that? Like, it doesn't really. That is so weird, right? Like, why? What, what, what did you gain from that? Also, that's not really. That's like the the that's like Bob in the car that calls into EEI. Like, that's mm -hmm. that's his take. And all his takes suck. Like, that's yep. you're going to be that guy. And you're the you said it's the governor. It's the governor. Yeah. It's the governor, the governor who, like, I, I imagine I'll the say governor I'd calling like. up EEI. Like, I, 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 it's got to be Cora, dude. It's Cora's got to go. I mean, obviously, he doesn't care about these guys. He's putting them in positions to lose. I mean, don't even get me started on Heim, but Cora's got to go. I'll what if up. it was just a guy in the car and they're like, hey, who's this? And he's like, hey, it's Chris Sununu. Uh, <laughs> yeah, listen, uh, this Cora guy, they, he's not rallying these guys up. There's no fire. There's no passion. You're not going to win with a team like that. By the way, this is Chris Nunu, governor of New Hampshire. I'll hang up and listen. Thanks, guys. If you were to go down a list of like top ten issues with the Red Sox this year, I don't, I can't have Alex Cora on there. It's, it's not. I don't think he's in the top thirty list. Yeah. So, like, please, that's. Yeah. So that's my that's closing thought. Is Chris? Hey, get this, Steve. Ready for this? Stick to yeah. politics. Hey, oh, roasted, boom, boom sauce. All right. I'm doing it again. I'm talking about someone that just passed away is my closing thought. Uh, Vin Scully, legendary broadcaster for the Dodgers, passed away at the age of 94. It's tough, man. You lose Bill Russell, you lose Vin Scully. I, what I love the most about Vin Scully is that even at our age, Joey, and I'll group us together here for this one, he still mattered. Like, we caught the tail end of Scully's broadcasting career, but you'd still tune in, and you knew, like, oh, it's it's significant that I get to see this guy call games. Like, I, I would go from Sox games, and then on the MLB package, just, you know, flip over to the, the Dodgers to hear Vin Scully call Dodgers games. It's not like I was super invested in Dodgers results, and this is before they, they got uh, Mookie, of course. Because his last season was what? I think it was... 16. 2016, yeah. So that was Poppy's last year. Who was watching all the Sox games and then flipping over to, to watch the Dodgers ones. But not just 16, years before that too. So I'm just impressed with the impact he had on baseball with how long he was actually calling the games. I think it was former 60, guy that worked with six the... Six years? Yeah, former guy that worked with the Red years? Sox. Mm -hmm. Let me get his name right here. Uh, I'm not going to find it. I don't think I'm going to find it. I wanted to get his name. Damn it. Uh, there was a guy named John mm -hmm. on like Shasheshka Babalu that used to work for the Red Sox. And now he works mm -hmm. in Cooperstown for the Hall of Fame. And everyone I know now in the Sox and their staff speaks so highly of him. And he had a great tweet saying that uh, Vince Scully won the Frick Award, which, you know, top like honoring a broadcaster. Tim Kirchner won it this year. 
that Vince Scully won that award after 33 years of broadcasting and then went on to broadcast for 34 more years. <laughs> that is absolutely insane. If you get the Frick Award, you're like Bob Costas. You're Tim Kirchin. You're Bob Ryan. You're these guys that have been... I, I don't know if Shaughnessy might have got it somehow. Uh, there are these people that have been in the business forever, but they're obviously done, right? Like Not done, but they're, you know... They would be the first to tell you that at the end of their careers. Scully, it's like a lifetime achievement award. Exactly. And he did yeah. 34 years after getting that award. That He's is like, this is not my lifetime achievement award, dude. This is my halftime award. Yeah, he got a halftime achievement award. <laughs> like, that's absolutely insane. But yeah, the baseball world lost the legend in Vin Scully. And if if you do one thing today, you should watch his final sign-off. Uh, on the Dodgers broadcast in his last season because it is just so he was just so good with words. There's so many times I've been doing podcasts for seven years now that I'm trying to say something and I just can't say it the right way. So I spend 20 minutes just dancing around what the right line is. Every line that Vince Scully had was just perfectly delivered. It was so soothing and authentic and just blended so well with the baseball game. And it just felt like you were going back in time. Dodger Stadium's a great backdrop, too, for Vince Scully. That's a great mix for him to be the guy that's calling the games there. So RIP Vince Scully, absolute legend. And it's a tough, tough stretch here. Tough stretch losing Bill yeah. Russell and Vince we Scully. We should drop in. Goes. Sorry, we should drop in uh, his uh, his final uh, sign off. Great call. This episode. Great yeah. call, Joey. Great call, Joey. We are going I almost to... tweeted it, but uh, too sad. Too sad, honestly. I was like, I don't have anything around this to say. It's just a very, it's a sad video. And the version that I had had like piano underneath it. And I was like, I can't do it. This is too sad. Can't so. do it. Yeah, we will We will uh, end the show on that. We will end the show on this Vin Scully sign-off that was so perfect. Uh, next, you'll hear from us, series preview. Red Sox at Royals for Gamer. Just win them all, boys. But uh, until then, for Joey Capone, I am Steve Peralt. Go Sox Kit. Take it away, Vin Scully. You know, friends, so many people have wished me congratulations on a 67-year career in baseball, and they've wished me a wonderful retirement with my family. And now all I can do is tell you what I wish for you. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise and a blessing in each trial. For every problem life seems a faithful friend to share, for every sigh a sweet song and an answer for each prayer. You and I have been friends for a long time, but I know in my heart that I've always needed you more than you've ever needed me. And I'll miss our time together more than I can say. But you know what? There will be a new day and eventually a new year. And when the upcoming winter gives way to spring, oh, rest assured, once again, it will be time for Dodger baseball. So this is Vin Scully wishing you a very pleasant good afternoon wherever you may be. Inside the Monster is a production of Odyssey in partnership with the Boston Red Sox. The show is produced by me, Steve Peralt. Our executive producer is Lena Glazer, mixing and video editing by Joey Capone. Special thanks to the Red Sox and Major League Baseball for their contributions to the production of this podcast.